If you have your Bibles, you want to go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We'll be continuing there today. Before we jump into that, I just want to remind you tonight at 6 o'clock we do have our membership meeting. And so if you are a member, we'd love to have you out tonight at 6. We need to have some important business to attend to. Our elections for officer positions for this next year as well as approving our budget. So please be here at 6 tonight. We need, we need, every, we need our members here so that we have a full quorum. Uh, so that we can do business. Otherwise, we have to do extra work beyond that to try to get things done and approved. So uh, tonight at 6 o'clock, right here. Thank you. Moving on. We're in, uh, we've been in Ephesians. Uh, we're in chapter 3, going to be in the second half today. We're going to continue in Ephesians uh, through the month of June, and so I'm looking forward to it, continuing to look forward to it. I hope that you're taking time. I've encouraged you each week to take time each week and read through the entire letter in one sitting, uh, just to receive the full context. Last week, I talked about the idea of reading in a different translation than what you normally do, and then maybe even different translations, encouraging that just for different words and different phrases. How many no, I'm not going to ask. Uh, it wasn't an assignment that you're getting graded on. It's an encouragement. So I'm not going to ask if you've done it, but I would encourage you to do it uh, because it just stands out in different ways. Uh, just talking with one person this morning, they said they, they read it this past week. Well, they could do this. I couldn't do this, but they have normally read it in English. This past week, they read it in Spanish. Uh, so apparently, they understood Spanish to be able to do that. Uh, I, that's why I can't do it. So, um, but just reading it, and, and, and they were saying how even reading it in, in Spanish, it just read a little bit differently and brought out different things. So uh, if you can do that, great. Um, but at least try a different translation. So uh, please. Please do that. Last week we were the first part of chapter three. We looked at uh, five different things. One, circumstances do not change our identity and talked about the reality that Paul was in prison and yet he was still uh, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, encouraging uh, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Two, in Christ we are each equal in our identity. Uh, God has, uh, we are all brothers and sisters and we are equal and uh, we are, serve according to our giftings. Uh, three, our identity in Christ advances the kingdom. Uh, four, we get to talk about our identity. And then five, our identity allows us boldness and confidence to approach God. We have a relationship with him and we get to approach him. So this week we're in chapter three and we're looking at the, the last part of the book, uh, verses 14 through 21. And uh, so I'll, I'll just say this. This is kind of the last section on the identity aspect of who we are in Christ. The first three chapters really focuses in on our identity in Christ, who we get to be as believers and followers of Jesus. And the second half, the, the next three chapters, really dive into uh, what, we, what we do, what we get to do as followers of Jesus. And so this is that last part. And this really hits in on discipleship in this one for me, uh, who we are as disciples. And, and so we get to be disciples of Jesus. And, and so there are some aspects of being that you would say, well, that's doing. Yes, but that's being a disciple. It's not just about the doing work. It's, it's who we get to be as disciples of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's word. And uh, I'm going to read verses 14 through 21. 
For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, again, we thank you for this word, this word that you've given us. This word that you gave to Paul, that he wrote down for the early church and that has been preserved for us today, we thank you for it. Your your word reveals many things to us, Lord, and we ask that it would reveal more today. So we can have a better understanding of who you are. So we can know you more. So we can be more like you. Your word tells us that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. The word was God. And so even as we talk about the today, Lord, we talk about Jesus. Lord, your word is alive and active. And we desire for it to be alive and active in our lives today. That you would mold us into your image. Father, the, the, more I, the more I read your word, the more I realize that it, 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 it is so relevant for all times. Father, it's a lie. It's a lie to think that this is not relevant for today. It's a lie. Help us not to fall into that lie. Your word is relevant for today because it's alive. I, I want to say your, your word transcends. You transcend relevant. You, you are. It is good for us to be in your word. Father, we thank you that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit, through your word. We ask you to bless this time. Open the eyes of our heart so that we can see you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So again, we, we, we find Paul, and uh, Paul is praying for the believers. And he's praying for them just like we saw in chapter 1. He was praying for them, and he was praying some really good things, uh, just uh, really some, some strong stuff, and we're going to talk about this. Uh, but the main thing I want to point out is that it is important that we pray for each other. It's important that we pray for each other. And, and I'm not just saying that we pray for our physical needs, but what I love here is that Paul is praying for their spiritual growth. Paul is praying for their spiritual growth. And I'll tell you, we don't, we don't, the, I'll just say this. The average prayer meeting that we go in and sit down, we pray for people, we pray for their needs, we pray for their physical ailments. Uh, how, how many times do we pray for spiritual growth in people? 
specifically, individuals. I don't think we do it much. Now, I'm not saying it's bad for us to pray for our physical ailments. We need that. That's a good thing, right? We should be doing that. We're told to do that. Uh, I am very thankful that you guys prayed for me and my physical ailments with my leg. And I know I haven't talked about that in a while, but I'm going to just share real quick today. Uh, Coming up on almost one year uh, from when my first accident happened and then second. Uh, If you don't know, I completely tore my quadricep tendon in my left leg, and I have a nice seven inch scar to remind me. Uh, But that's not all that reminds me every step I take. I'm reminded that my leg is different than what it was. Now, I will say this. Over 99% of the time, I have no pain. So that's good. Every once in a while, I get this weird, weird, like needle point stuck all the way into my knee. Um, I'm like, what is that? Woke me up last night. But, um, but it's rare. I don't really have that. And, and as you see, I'm walking around. But I feel that something is different there. Uh, it just isn't quite. But I appreciated all the prayers. And I believe I'm where I'm at today because of prayer. Um, I can run. I've jogged on my leg. Uh, I've jogged up to 25 minutes at a time on my leg, and I can do that, and it feels good without my brace even. So you're like, you should wear your brace. No, I'm good. I'm good. It's really doing well. Um, But every step I take, I do feel that something is still not all the way done, healed there. So it's important for us to pray for our physical ailments. Uh, But sometimes I think we get so caught up in those, we get focused on those that we forget to pray for spiritual growth for each other. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's praying for spiritual growth. He's praying for a deeper understanding uh, for for his brothers and sisters in Christ that they'll have a deeper understanding of who God is. I, I pray for my kids' safety, shouldn't we? I mean, who, who doesn't pray for their kids' safety? I pray for their physical well-being, but more than anything, I pray that their hearts will be drawn to Jesus. More than anything. I, I, I will take that over anything. And if we stop and if we're real and honest with ourselves, <sighs> yes, let's be real and honest with ourselves. When you look at your own life, most of the time, that real spiritual growth that took place came out of difficulty, hardness, something you didn't plan, something you didn't really want, whether it was an injury, whether it was a bad, whether it was a loss of something, whatever it might have been. Usually that deep, that it, it usually, a lot of times it comes out of that. And so even when I pray for my kids, <laughs> Above everything, I want them to know Jesus. And so if that means they got to go through something, God, take them through it. Because I want, to know, I want them to know Jesus because there's nothing like knowing Jesus. I, I, I would rather them go through difficult times and come out close to Jesus than never go through anything hard and not know Jesus. You know, you know what I mean? And I think that's the heart of what Paul is doing here. Paul Paul understands protection. Paul understands safety. Paul understands physical well-being. He gets all of that. But his desire is that they would know God. And that they would understand God. And that they would have a deep relationship with Jesus. And that's what he's praying here. So it's important for us to pray for each other. As I was studying this and reading through this this week, one of the things that just really kept coming back to me are the core values of, our, of the Alliance. 
We have seven core values. Uh, these are core values of the Alliance. We also take these as, um, as, as a church, and we, we call them the seven marks of a healthy disciple. And so again, as I talk about a disciple, these are things we get to be. We are these things. These are part of our identity. If we are walking with Jesus and calling ourselves a disciple, these are things that we are, okay? One of those is prayer. Prayer is, prayer is the primary work of God's people, that's one of our core values. The way that we say it as seven marks is praying our primary work. Is that something we do? Yes, but it's something that we are. It should just come out of us as followers of Jesus. As disciples of Jesus, prayer should happen. We get to pray. We don't have to pray. We get to pray. We get to talk to God. And he hears us. He hears us. I, 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 when I think about that, I think of uh, just on the mountain and Baal and, and God. And, you know, where's your God? <laughs> What's he, he says some pretty ridiculous things there. He goes, here's my God. We, we get to pray to God. Prayer is our primary work. Um, I'm just going to read real quick. These are the seven uh, core values of the alliance. Lost people matter to God. He wants them found. Prayer is the primary work of God's people. Everything we have belongs to God. We are his stewards. Knowing and obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. Completing the Great Commission will require the mobilization of every fully devoted disciple. Without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, we can accomplish nothing. What can we accomplish? Nothing. Achieving God's purposes means taking faith-filled risks. This always involves Change. Those are the seven core values of the alliance, and, and, and I appreciate those so much. Uh, we, we say it this way, seven uh, marks of a healthy disciple. Um, first one, introducing others to Jesus. Praying, our primary work. Stewarding resources generously. Knowing and obeying God's word. Completing the great commission. Depending on the Holy Spirit's empowering Taking faith-filled risks. This is all on our website. You can go to our website, click on the top part, click on Jesus, and it's right there. Seven marks of a healthy disciple. This, this are, these aren't things that we're trying to do. These are things that we are. If we, if we are a disciple of Jesus, these are things that should be coming out of us automatically. It's our identity, who we are in Jesus. And so as I was looking at this, five of the seven to me are right here in this passage. The first one, prayer is our primary work. That's the intro. How much time do we have? I gotta move. First point, everyone comes from God. Everyone comes from God. Right there, verses 14 and 15. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Every family on heaven and earth. Every family comes from the Father. Uh, family there, the Greek word for family is uh, patria, P-A-T-R-I-A, uh, from the Greek word for father. Every father, everyone, everyone comes from God. Everyone. Here's the reality. Sin has made us orphans. Sin has made us orphans. Every single person in this world is an orphan because of sin. We are separated from God because he's holy, he's perfect. We cannot be in his presence because we are not. Sin has made us orphans. Our task as being disciples of Jesus, we get the opportunity to reintroduce people to their father. 
We get to help people find their dad. That's what we get to do. That's what's been done for us. That's what we get to do for others. Everyone comes from God. When we start looking at everyone as someone that's come from our Father, and we recognize, especially if they don't know Jesus, we recognize that they don't have that same relationship with their Father that we have with our Father, wouldn't our hearts want to see them reunited with their Father? That's how we should be looking at people. They're orphans who don't know who their dad is. And we have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to introduce them to their dad. It's what we get to do. Core value, lost people matter to God. He wants them found. Because he knows them. He created them. He knit them together. He knows what he wants to do in their lives. He knows he wants to bless them. Now I'm thankful I had a good relationship with my father. And, and I still do. He's, he's still alive. So I still have that. Matter of fact, he just bought a house here in Tacoa uh, a, a few weeks ago. And they'll be moving down here in October. And they'll live here for half the year and then go to Michigan half the year. Um, and so I have a good, and I'm thankful for my relationship with my dad. Not everyone has had a good relationship with their dad or even known their dad. But we get the opportunity to introduce people to our heavenly father the perfect father, and experience what it means to have a real relationship with the dad. Everyone comes from God. Sin has made us orphans, and we get to reintroduce people to their father. Second thing I see in here is our strength and power come from, the, from Jesus living inside of us. Verses 16 and the first part of 17. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I love this. Dwell in your hearts. We, we tell kids when they're little, ask Jesus to where? Ask Jesus where? To come into our heart. I've actually had people say, oh, that's not in the Bible. It's right there. It just it says right there that Jesus dwells in our hearts. If Jesus dwells in my heart and he's not there, I'm going to ask him to come dwell in my heart. It's right there. Now, now, maybe not this vessel that pumps blood through us, but who we are. I want Jesus to live into the who, we are, who I am. I want him to come in and be here because that's where our strength and power comes from. It comes from him being in here. Not anything I can do. I, that, this is one of the things I loved about the Alliance. This is one of the things that drew me to the Alliance. I grew up uh, in a church that was a lot about rules, and if you're going to be a good Christian, if you're going to be, this is, these are the things you have to do. If you can't do these things, well, you're, <laughs> don't come to church with us. One of the things I loved about the Alliance was it talked about the fact that you can't do it, only Jesus can. So our core, our core value is um, without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, we can accomplish Nothing. Nothing. That's a strong word. I can't do anything. I could not follow all of those rules that the church was giving me. Be a follower of Jesus, do all these things. I couldn't do it on my own. When I found out that I didn't have to because the Holy Spirit would do it in me, his power would do it, man, whew, I felt a lot better. I could do that. I could rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. I love what our phrase right now is that we are a Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. 
Well, if you don't know Acts 1.8, then what does that mean? Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you. We have the Holy Spirit in us. It's, it's his power that does the work. Because without him, we can do nothing. You ever have that moment? You ever have a moment when you feel like you know the Holy Spirit's power has come on you? You ever had that? That's amazing. It's amazing. If you've never had that, ask for it. Just ask. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, give me your power. Holy Spirit, gift me. Holy Spirit, let me operate in, in the giftings that you give me. I was praying for our youth one time when I was a, uh, they, we'd come back from life and uh, we had a service where they were sharing their testimony and I had the chance to pray for them after they had shared their testimony and I'm praying. And somewhere in the middle of the prayer, my brain kind of was like, who's talking right now? Because I, I, I was praying, but I knew that these weren't my words. They were, it was the Lord praying. It was the Holy Spirit praying through me. And it was weird, but it was cool at the same time. And uh, afterwards, um, someone had talked to Jessica, and they had said to her, says, I love listening to your husband pray because it's like he has a direct line to God when he prays. And I'm like, no, the Holy Spirit had a direct line into me praying. It was the Holy Spirit praying. And I've had allowed, the Lord's allowed that to happen a number of times in my life, and it's so cool to feel that power and recognize his power in me. We have access to that power. The more we go to him to access that power, the, the more that we're going to see happen in the kingdom. Our strength and our power come from Jesus living inside of us, not of, an, of ourselves. Third thing I want us to see, or, or even ask, maybe it's a question. Will or can we ever truly understand God's love for us? Will we? Can we? Second half of 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The first thing I think is he prays that we will know and have understanding that we will grasp his love, but then he says it's, it surpasses knowledge. <laughs> he wants us to know it, but it's so big that we can't understand it. That's how big it is. Of course, when I read this, the first thing I think of is... Everyone with me? You with me? Faster. <laughs> no, okay. How deep and wide, I mean, it, it, it says, I mean, all the different things there. I mean, you think about that, how deep, how wide, how long, how high. How, I mean, that, that just goes forever in every direction. That's how big God's love is. That's how big it is. We, I, I don't know that we'll ever truly understand. Even if we're standing before him, are we truly going to understand how much he loves us? Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, no greater love has any man than he lay down his life for his friends. That's how much he loves us. I, I could keep going about God's love, but I decided rather instead to let someone else do it. Um, so watch this video with Billy Graham. The whole Bible is a love story. 
It's God's love affair with the human race. You see, God has all those billions of planets out there, all those hundreds of billions of stars, and it's all God's. But of all the planets in the whole universe, the whole universe stands in awe at the love that God showers on this little planet called the Earth. And I imagine the people who live on other planets wonder why God doesn't sweep this planet of rebellion out into oblivion. We're the only planet, insofar as I know, that are in rebellion against God, and yet in spite of our rebellion, in spite of our disobedience, in spite of our sins, God loves us. That's the thrilling thing about it. And God loves every person in the whole world with a love that is beyond our comprehension. And God proved his love by giving his son on the cross. If you ever doubt that God loves, look at the cross, because God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That's the greatest illustration of love in the whole world is the cross. Because God is saying from the cross, I love you, I love you, I love you. You and I were saved by the cross. Our Lord loved us so much that he gave his only son to die on that cross. Now, love is not feeling. You say, I feel I love him. It's not feeling. Love is doing. Love is a verb. God did something. God gave his love. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Apostle John, looking at that cross, said, Behold, what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us. And when you look at that cross and think about it, that the Romans used the instrument of execution on a colossal scale, and they put nails in the hands and spikes in the feet and spat on the people and mutilated the bodies, broke their legs to help them die quicker, and all sorts of terrible things. The most cruel death in the whole world is the death of the cross. And our Lord was hanging there with the mocking crowd making fun of him. And he hung there for you, for you, for you. And God was saying, I love you. Jesus laid down his life for us. And that's the reason the scripture says there's no other way to heaven. You can't be saved any other way. You cannot find life with a capital L any other way. You cannot gain entrance to the kingdom of heaven without coming to the cross because if God could have found another way, he would have found it. It's God's love. It's so deep and so wide and so high and so great and has such dimensions to it that no words in any language can describe it. It's a love that God has for you that in spite of the fact that you were rebelling against him, in spite of the fact that you were a sinner, in spite of the fact that you broke his laws, he gave his son to shed his blood. In spite of everything we've ever done, God loves. And words cannot describe it. From this moment on, I want him to be in control of my life. I want him to sit in the cockpit of my life and run it and direct it. I turn my life over to him to Amen. It's good stuff. God loves us. Every single one of us.
He created every single person in this world. And there's nothing that we can do that can take us away from God's love. Nothing. Think of the worst thing you've did. Okay, don't think of it. But the worst thing that you've ever done. God says, I love you. I've made a way for that to be forgiven. I've made a way for that to be taken care of. We're his kids. He created every single one of us and he wants every single one of us to know him and have a relationship with him. If you're in this room and you know Jesus, someone shared with you and you accepted that love. But there's a whole world out there that doesn't know God's love, doesn't know him as our father. And we get the opportunity to introduce him. Will or can we ever truly understand God's love for us? Core value that I think of is completing the Great Commission will require the mobilization of every fully devoted disciple. For me, if we grasp, if we even understand just a little bit of how much God loves us, we are just automatically want to tell people about God's love. Because whenever we get something that we like, or whenever we have something that we think is great, we share it, don't we? We share it. Saw a great movie. You should go see it. Have you seen this movie? Have you ever heard this song? It's a great song. You need to listen to this song. We share things that we like. We should be sharing God's love. The last one is this. Number four, God's ways are better. God's ways are better. Um, verses 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. How much more? We can't even measure how much more. Then all we ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He wants to do way more. Everything that we think we could do for him, he wants to do way more. Because we can't even think, imagine, or ask for what he wants us to do. God, I can give you this. He, he wants, he wants, he's going to do even more. Even more. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God wants to do more. Here, here's the hard part with us letting, letting. <laughs> with, God let, with us letting God do more. We're scared. What, what if it takes me out of my comfort zone? What if I'm not ready for that? I don't know, God. I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter because it's being done in his power anyway, not our own, right? So it shouldn't matter anyway. Here's the core value that I think goes along with this. You ready? Achieving God's purposes means taking faith-filled risks. Who likes risk? I mean, that's a scary word, risk. I don't want risk. Risk causes pain, <laughs> Right? Risk causes change. Well, let me finish that core value. This always involves change. God wants to do immeasurably more than we can think, imagine, or ask. Are we willing to take that risk? Are we willing to take that risk? Or are we like, no, we're, I'm good. I'm comfortable right here. I don't think this, apply, this applies to everybody, regardless of your vocation, regardless of your age. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. I've said this before. I'm going to keep saying it. If you are still alive on this earth, God has something for you to do. 
and it's immeasurably more than you can think, ask, or imagine. Are you walking in his power? I love how all of this just fits together so well because every part builds on every single part. What are we doing? Do we understand who we are in Jesus? I don't think we do. Because if we fully understood our identity in Jesus, we would be doing immeasurably more. Not because we're out doing, but because we're out being who we're called to be in Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and we're going to close in a song. And, and I hope that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. I hope that you'll ask him to speak to you. I'm going to invite you to stand. As you're standing, think about this. Are you praying for others? Is prayer your primary work? Are you introducing others to Jesus? Are you depending on the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you completing the Great Commission? Are you, are you taking risks? This isn't what we do. It's who we are in Jesus. Father, I, I thank you for your word that's alive and active. I thank you that you teach us even from, from centuries ago to today. Father, help us to grasp even just a little bit of how deep and wide and high and long your love is. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Empower us for the advancement of your kingdom. If, if, don't leave here today if the Holy Spirit's talking to you. Come during this song. If you need to come and pray, come and pray. If you want to go to our prayer room, we have our elders and their, their wives or ladies are there to pray with. Thank you, Jesus.